The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to The Burning Issue. Uh, my name is uh, Mohammed Fasik Peterson. Now this week was certainly a life-changing week for South Africans as we heard the President declare that we are now in a national state of disaster following the outbreak of the coronavirus in the country. In a nutshell, the President has said that there is a partial travel ban, schools are closed for a month, employees are advised to work from home, all major events are cancelled and gatherings of more than 100 people are now prohibited as part of the social distancing measures. So far, 32 people have tested positive for COVID-19 in South Africa, most of them travelers who have returned from Europe. Of course, this announcement affects every aspect of Muslim life. So with the coronavirus being our new normal, how should we as Muslims adapt? The MJC and several other ulama bodies issued fatwas to this effect following an urgent meeting this week. We've seen several masajid now closing the doors to prevent the possible spread of COVID-19. We believe the MJC has now revised its position in light of consultation with medical practitioners and a full briefing will be given on air tomorrow, inshallah. In the meantime, some people are saying it's an overreaction. Others are saying it's a necessary precaution. Should Masajid close their doors during a time of much-needed spiritual upliftment? What is the Sharia perspective and how practical is this in reality? Well, that's our burning question in tonight's burning issue. We hope to take calls on 021-442-3530 and your messages via SMS on 4 7913 WhatsApp 0722380712. But just a side note, due to the walk of our show, we may have a little may have a little less time than usual. But let's introduce our guests for tonight. In studio we have Mufti Said Harun Al Azari, head of CTIEC Cape Town Unama Board. We're also joined by Mawlana Said Imran Shahzai, principal of CTIEC. And uh, later on inshallah we'll be speaking to Mona Suleiman Rabat, an executive committee member of Jamiatul Ulama South Africa, and a little later we'll be speaking to Jamia Khaland, the secretary of the Claremont Main Road Mosque, who's also taken the decision to close the doors. Uh, to stem the spread of the coronavirus. But to my first guests in studio, uh, Mufti Sayyid Harun Al-Azari and Mona Sayyid Imran Shah Ziai, Ajidwan Assalamu Alaikum and welcome to the studios of Voice of the Cape this evening. Wa Alaikum Assalamu Rahmatullahi Wa Barakatuh. How are you and the listeners? Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, and I, I pray all the listeners are well, inshallah. Uh, I know that COVID-19 has created s- somewhat of a panic globally. And I think South Africans, Alhamdulillah, at least, uh, we have been slow to come to panic about the matter. But I think there's a lot to be concerned about. And uh, uh, definitely we're seeing our ulama taking what seems to be drastic steps. But the intention is to preserve the health and the safety of the Muslim community. So now I want to start off with... Uh, um, CTIEC as one of those organizations and uh, uh, who has taken a decision based on the information coming through and based on just the outline of the the, the clear threat that faces South Africa and particularly <coughs> the Western Cape. Uh, so uh, there was a press release uh, issued by CTIEC on my board. Uh, so Mufti, just from your perspective, just give us a brief in terms of what this uh, uh, press release outlined. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina wa Mawlana Muhammad wa barik wa salim wa salli alayhi. 
see when we look at it first of all we are muslims submitted to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we live in south africa and this pandemic has come onto our doorstep what should we do should we go to the masjid or not right there's m many things the malls staying away from school all of those things but from an islamic perspective what are the questions what come to us a lot listen should we still make salah in our masjids or should we stay at home is it allowed to make jumu'ah at home is it not allowed what steps are we taking as the ulama because we have to limit the number of jumu'ah to a hundred how is that going to be possible so there were a lot of questions where people are sending a message so we said we might as well take out a fatwa and give the Islamic perspective of it, a well-researched fatwa where we spoke to our panel of ulama, we had the discussion with our panel of doctors, medical practitioners, they came to this understanding, and based on that, as Allah says, فَسَلُوا أَهْلَ ذِكْرِينَ كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Ask those who know if you do not know. So people are asking the question, so we have to respond to them. Now coming to this, we only dealt with three main aspects. Number one, the adhan, how it should be given. Number two is the five daily congregational prayers. And number three, we spoke about the Jumu'ah. Now when we're speaking about these things, we have the foundation of Islam. The foundation we set it on is where Allah says, Wala tulku illa Do not contribute to your own destruction. Right? Number one. Number two, Nabi Sallallahu says, La darar wala dirar. Don't harm and don't incur any harm. And Islam teaches us the jurisprudence, the scholars, the fuqaha, they came up with certain maxims which can be applied in multiple scenarios. Number one, harm should be eliminated or avoided. Um, difficulty should be alleviated and lifted up. And averting harm is more important than gaining benefit. So if we look at this framework, from this framework, it would already tell us that it is not safe for our Muslims to go into crowded places, whether it is the malls, whether it is just for shopping, whether it is for dhikr gatherings. If they want to do this and they want to make dua, we are worried, we are panicked. We can make salah at home. The Prophet told us salah is fard, yes? But when it comes to jama'ah, there is difference of opinion between the scholars. Some scholars say it is wajib, but when you look at the Hanafi scholars, you look at the Shafi scholars, you look at the Maliki scholars, they say it is not wajib to make it in the masjid in congregation. Right? So if we say that the Prophet said more than two people is jama'ah, and if you make salah at home, you will be helping the bigger social good, that we are a minority in this country as Muslims. And then the worst thing is, say if someone comes with the virus you won't know if he is affected or he's not affected so they come to the masjid maybe they don't show symptoms and then they get our muslims say from in our own locality you find people in informal settlements they live very uh, crowded they don't have extra rooms to go and quarantine themselves they don't have the facilities what we have and if they have to get it and spread it to other people we are contributing to that and allah says don't contribute to that and then obviously we use the hadith of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the whole idea of Allah wants easiness for you, you don't want difficulty. Allah never put even a little difficulty in the religion. So when we look at it, you see there's one rule. Allah says in the Quran, فَإِن تَنَازَعْتُمْ فِي شَيْنْ فَرُدُّوا إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ If you are having a difference of opinion about something, go back to Allah and His Rasul. Refer it back to the Quran and the Sunnah and see what they have done. And based on that, 
we issued this fatwa. Now, Mufti, uh, if we examine uh, what we've said now, and we're saying that this is for the betterment of the community, um, I know that there was one other scholar who uh, most recently has been sending around his, his, his statement on WhatsApp, uh, saying that um, this is not the case. We as a um, as a community should continue to go to the masjid, should t- continue to perform our salah, and uh, at the end of the day, this is this is where the Muslims need to be. Uh, so how how do we then? And obviously, this becomes the opinion of an. I see this on the WhatsApp as well, of some of the members of the community who listen to this message say, okay, well, that's, you know, the opinion of, of, of the scholar. And yes, we should, you know, no one should stop us. Uh, and yesterday I asked this question to uh, Mufti, uh, uh, the Mufti of the MJC as well. We, I said that there are people who say, well, the government is trying to curtail our religious freedom by telling us not to go in, forth into the masjid, to pray, basically, so therefore, uh, they're limiting us to 100, and the masjids, uh, uh, the, the, the MJC, in, in their opinion, responded to this, or the ulama responded to this, by saying, okay, fine, uh, limit, it, limit to 100. And now we see that, again, I would like to mention that the MJC is busy revising their decision based on new information. We'll get an announcement tomorrow, inshallah. But from Mufti's point of view, when people come uh, in with these kinds of opinions, and I'm sure Mufti has been confronted with that as well, how, how do you convince people um, about the, the gravity of the situation? Okay. See, when we look at a situation, one, we can look at it emotionally, and one, we can look at it practically. Right? And then we have to reconcile. One is our religious beliefs, yes. Right? But can we just come up and say, okay, the government wanted to restrict our religious freedom? Would that be right? This COVID-19, this coronavirus, it's not only affecting Muslims. You understand? It's not something religious. It's, uh, it's affecting Muslims, non-Muslims. It's wider than that. It's like if someone say that, you know, that... Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is sent death only for Muslims, example. It's something which is wider than that. Now this is a pandemic. It is a sickness, a disease which is coming for Muslims, non-Muslims. There's the wider community as well besides the Muslims, number one. And this is, they never only restrict Muslim gatherings to say that the Muslims should only gather less than 100. They said the churches and any other gathering. Right? So we have to look at that from one aspect. But from the prophetic way, look, we, we say we believe in Al-Quran. And the Quran gave us ex, uh, explanation for everything. If you look at the preparation, Allah always tells us to pre- uh, prepare. Even the Prophet ﷺ himself, when he said, he said in one hadith, there is nothing what can transmit except with the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing contagious except with the will of Allah. But he ends of that hadith by saying, run from the leper person like how you run from a lion. Now why did he say that? The Prophet ﷺ is saying, be proactive. Prepare yourself. You're not going to wait to get harmed by a lion first and then you're going to prepare. People are saying that no, but only two people, three people. How did it start in Italy? Week one, there were two. Week two, there were three. Week four, there were nine. Then it went to 76. After that, 12,500. And then 200 deaths. You see it in these different countries. What is happening? Why? Because this is contagious. It's a disease which you don't know who is carrying, who is not carrying. So how do we reconcile everything in Islam? Do we say that we leave our cars open in South Africa? No, we trust in Allah. No, we lock our cars, we lock our houses. We don't say, okay, risk is from Allah, khalas, we sit at home. No, we put our effort, we go out and we work, and then we put our effort and the completion is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Likewise, Nuh alayhi salam, he knew there's going to be the flood. He prepared, Allah told him, build the ark. Yusuf alayhi salam, 
He knew there's going to be a drought. Allah told him to prepare and he stored the food. You look at Lut alayhi salam. Allah said that he's going to destroy the people. He had to travel. Musa alayhi salam, he had to travel. Muhammad sallallahu in Makkah, it was getting difficult for the Muslims. They had to travel. So the Prophet and Islam and the theme of the Quran teaches us to take the necessary precautionary measures. And part of a precautionary measure, people would say, no, but you're sitting now, example, in the studio. Isn't this dangerous? Right? In the masjid, we are making sajda, we are going down, people are next to each other, right? And this is different, we are, we are spaced out here. And it's very different, so we cannot look at it, everything in the same way. It might look apparently the same, but when you look at it from a juristic point of view, our main foundation is the Quran and the Hadith of Rasulullah It's not just based on how we think, no, I think this is like this, I think it's like that. It's based more on the Quran and Hadith. So Allah told us to make salah. Yes? Nabi Sallallahu told us to make jama'ah. But he never said that you must make jama'ah in the masjid if there is circumstances. There were basic circumstances like rain. Rasulullah used to say make salah at home. Rain. Rain. Bad weather conditions. This is something which is bad for everybody. Nabi Sallallahu said if someone eats uh, onion and garlic, he said, you know, they shouldn't come to our masjid. Just for eating garlic. An onion, because it's an offensive smell. Now imagine this, a virus, what you can contaminate and infect someone with, if you have it, or you can get it. The Prophet said, do not harm and do not incur harm. Now, um, I see some messages coming through and uh, one of the people messaging, and again, this is the feeling of some people, and this is what we discussed yes. uh, recently. Uh, well, yesterday, in actual fact, uh, when we had this conversation, uh, as people should go to Moscow, they're afraid of USA Zionist COVID-19 virus and put on a mask, but closing the doors, uh, closing the mosque is unacceptable. Uh, Mufti should not compromise his faith and his demand for a man-made virus. Well, and then there was a statement made yesterday, and I would like Mufti to clarify this. A person was saying, we can't say this virus is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because it's a man-made virus. Now, that's the allegation. Clearly, uh, this affects everyone broadly. People have said, experts have said that if this virus is man is made by someone, who's got something to gain by everyone in this world getting sick? But particularly when people start talking about man-made viruses and saying that, you know, it's not from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is the thick viewpoint on that? See, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says everything is from Allah. But there is certain means, certain way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a system. Right? So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says He'll give you a risk from the sky, it doesn't mean that your food is going to fall down from the sky. It means that Allah will send the rain and then it will come out. Likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that He takes away your soul. Allah doesn't take it away Himself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes away. Allah takes away the soul when someone passes away. But Allah says, Ye put malakul maut, kul yatawafakum malakul maut, alladhi wukila bikum. So Allah has a system, right? Likewise, Allah gives children, but the husband and wife, they would have sexual intercourse, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless them with a child. Everything, we refer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this is what the Prophet was talking of this. You see, the mushrikun of Makkah, they used to believe that, uh, you know, that sickness is not from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is contagious by itself. So the Prophet ﷺ says, no, nothing is contagious by itself. Who gave the first sickness is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So even if this is a man-made virus, 
right? A man-made virus. But is it affecting human life? We are talking of closing the masjid because of what? Not because of designers or anything else, because of the preservation of life, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us to preserve, which Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us to preserve. And it's not selling your iman. Look, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu, in the year when they stole, Amul Maja'a, when they stole, what he, he said, that they won't cut the hands. Allah said in the Quran that they should take a sariq wa sariqa. They have to cut the hand that was part of their penal code and their law. But Umar radiallahu never do it. When it came to the Mu'allafatul Qulub, they had to get a share in zakah. But Sayyidina Umar, he said that, okay, there's no need for this. He never give it. When he saw that people were being intoxicated, he added more to the punishment to say that, listen, this is a preventative measure. The companions of Rasulullah were not adding to the deen or they weren't selling out their deen. It's based on the circumstances and need. But let me tell you one beautiful story of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu Umar anhu was going into Sham, which is now known as Syria and all of those areas. And when he heard there was an outbreak of infectious disease, he said, okay, we're not going in. Because the Prophet said, if you are out, don't go in. So was the Prophet's Iman weak? Na'udhu billah min dhalik. Why? Because he knows that everything is from Allah, but don't go and harm yourself. And if you are in, don't come out, the Prophet said. He taught us of quarantine. And then the Prophet based on that, Umar anhu said, listen, we're not going in. Because this is what the Prophet said. So the other companion said, your Iman, you're not going in. Whatever is meant for you will only come. So he said, see, I am, they asked him, are you running away from what is destined, the Qadr of Allah? So he said, I'm running away from the Qadr of Allah to the Qadr of Allah. Meaning we have a choice. We have a choice. So here, why we are limiting the people to say that, listen, you, Salah is Fard. Jama'ah is not Fard. And if you do want to make jama'ah, you can make it at your own venue. So we're not prohibiting you from making salah. No one is saying that salah is not fard. But we're worried of the health of the wider community. Which Rasul if he had two halal options, he always took the easier one because he wanted to make it easy for the people. The voice of uh, uh, a special guest in studio, uh, Mufti uh, Harun Al-Azari, uh, talking about uh, the uh, position taken by the CTIEC uh, with regard to the uh, COVID-19 coronavirus. And uh, obviously the position is that uh, the masjid will be closed uh, to ensure that um, that uh, there will be, I believe, there will be uh, salah taking place. Basically, in the masjid, the salah will be taking place by the muadzin and the imam. To watch over two people's health is much better than watching over a hundred people, number one. And number two, the muadzin, he's doing a very great thing to call the people to salah, to remind them and tell them, make salah at home. So he is coming there. It will be unfair to the imam and to the muadzin that if someone infected comes there and they get infected, they also have families, they have lives as well. Right? And if everybody contributes by not going out, whether it's to the mall, cinema, shopping, whatever it is, don't take it as a holiday, take it as time to make dhikr of Allah. We don't need to only be in the masjid to make dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As the Prophet said, make your sunnah salahs at home, right? In normal circumstances. But when it was abnormal circumstances, he told him, make the fard at home as well. 
So that's it. We're trying to, because the Muaddin will be at the masjid and he gave the adhan, so out of respect of the masjid, he would perform salah in the masjid. And to make it a jama'ah, we ask the imam or the imamah to be there. They should also lead the prayer so that salah does not stop in the masjid. No one can have the misunderstanding that we abandon the salah in the masjid. Salah was stopped in our masajid because there are various masajid who are following this fatwa of CTIEC. Uh, on that note, we're going to go for a break. When we come back, we'll get some comment from uh, Imam of the Azad Masjid in District 6, uh, Sheikh Ismail Karan, uh, who's also taken a decision on uh, prayers, on congregational prayers at the masjid. And uh, you're welcome to WhatsApp us 072 if you have any questions. Um, uh, that, and I see a message coming through saying uh, Mufti is on point. Jazakallah. Uh, we'll be back right after this. My radio station, your radio station. Our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi Welcome back to the burning issue this evening. We're looking at COVID-19 and our ulama's response uh, to this uh, very, very serious threat to the community as far as health and safety is concerned. And um, we obviously uh, had a discussion with the MJC uh, yesterday with uh, Malataha Karan, who is the mufti of the MJC, uh, where they, uh, after they had released a five-page statement uh, clarifying uh, their position and what they intended to do as far as uh, the the issue of uh, gathering for congregational prayers across Cape Town in various mas- masjids and particularly when it comes to uh, Jumas but uh, I believe that they are currently revising the statement and um, the MJC Fatwa Department I believe will have have uh, uh, reached a different viewpoint on Juma, but that might will be clarified um, uh, in, 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 in coming hours and perhaps to buy uh, at the latest uh, tomorrow, inshallah, we'll have some news on that. So there might be a revision of that decision uh, of uh, allowing a hundred people to perform sada uh, for a Jumar in various masjids. And uh, I think this is comes on the back of new evidence uh, that has been uh, disseminated after having sp- spoken to various health professionals and looking at the risk factors. Well, we've got some messages um, on the WhatsApp line. This one says. Assalamualaikum. With all due respect, uh, just explain destiny and what Allah subhanahu wa decreed. If the masjids are empty, isn't it a gap for shaitan? Now, uh, Mufti, uh, this, this is a valid um, a question, I think, because a lot of people Definitely. are saying that... As a community, we understand that being in the masjid, especially for us as males, is, 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 is in a sense a cornerstone of our deen as we understand it. Uh, the fact that we must go and take part in congregational prayers. So, um, you know, and, and, and ask the, the question about predestination and people are saying, well, you know what, if it's in your takdeer, you're going to get it. If you're not in, ta- in your takdeer, you're not going to get it. We've heard this argument. I've heard it also by various people. Even this morning I had a conversation with someone where they were saying that. So, uh, the Basically, what is Mufti's response to this caller who is saying that, you know, I'll go to Masjid, at the end of the day, my alphabet, if I contract the coronavirus, Allah has decreed it for me. Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. We have two parts here, right? One is the taqdeer, and one is, uh, are we leaving the Masjid for shaitan, right? First of all, as we said in our fatwa, 
categorically the masajid, the imamate would still perform salah in the masjid. So it's not left to shaitan, if we have to use that argument. But in reality, Rasulullah sallallahu says in a hadith, that you should, it's your duty in normal circumstances to go to the masjid and perform congregational prayers except for those who have an excuse. The companion said, Ya Rasulullah, who are those who have an excuse? The Prophet said, those who have fear or those who have illness, right? Those who have fear and those who have illness. So now there is a fear. So the Prophet permitted categorically that you don't have to come to the masjid, number one. Number two, when we're talking of taqdeer, what is the meaning of taqdeer? Taqdeer, as I told you of Sayyidina Umar, he said, I'm running away from the qadr of Allah to the qadr of Allah, from the decision of Allah to the decision of Allah, to the will of Allah. Now when we look at taqdeer, we don't know what Allah wrote for us. Right? So we don't do actions, and this is a thing which has to be written in gold, inshallah, that we don't do things because it's written for us. Allah wrote it because He knew we were going to do it. So we have a choice. Whether you want to drink Coke or water, you have a choice. You can't say, no, I'm drinking Coke because it's in my taqdeer. Because then if we work with taqdeer in that sense, then you say, okay, whatever Allah wrote for me, if He wrote for me that I must get a salary at the end of the month, I'll get, I don't have to go to work. Whatever's written, I'll get. That is not Islam. Nabi Sallallahu taught us what is true tawakkul. It is that asayu minna, the efforts are from us, wal itma Let me give you another example. A companion comes, he says, Ya Rasulullah, I have my camel. Do I trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or should I tie it? The Prophet says, tie your camel, then trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is it. Like how he says, that be like the bird, trust in Allah. But go out, empty stomach in the morning, go out and work, and you'll come back full in the night. So it's that effort. So we're just taking a precautionary step based on the Quran and based on the hadith of the Prophet. Allah says, I want easiness for you. I never make difficulty for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us, don't destroy ourselves and contribute to our own destruction. Likewise, the Prophet told us that if it is raining or bad weather, don't come to the masjid, make salah at home. So will the Prophet be commanding us to leave the masjid to shaitan? Oh, uh, going to the WhatsApp line, uh, I think it's uh, 1530 says Salam. I want to say if well, Salam to the person who is worried about uh, Shaitan being in the masjid while well, it's empty, ask yourself what would Shaitan be doing there in the masjid if we're not there? <laughs> well, uh, going back to uh, going to our next guest, and obviously we are joined now online by Sheikh Ismail Kiran, uh, who is uh, the Imam of the Azad Masjid in District 6 and uh, uh, a member of the Legislative Committee at Masjid Ush. Uh, okay, unfortunately, we haven't been able to raise him on the line as such yet, but uh, we'll keep, keep trying. But in the meantime, let me now turn my attention to Mona Sulaiman Ravad from the Jamiatul Ulama South Africa. Uh, he's a trustee of the Jamiatul Ulama uh, SA and a popular radio host and presenter on Radio Islam. Mona Sulaiman, assalamu alaikum and welcome to the discussion. Wa alaykum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to you for see and to move this up in the studio and the listeners of Voice of the Cape. Wa alaykum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Mufti, or rather, Manana, um, I don't know uh, if you've been able to take in much of the discussion that we had prior to this, but um, there seems yes, to I be... Yes, I have been listening. <laughs> there, has to, there seems to be two distinct opinions on this, not just in terms of some of the uh, some of the messages shared by ulama uh, on various platforms, but also from uh, ordinary people. Uh, some people feel very strongly that they will go to Majid come what may and some saying we need to exercise caution um, what do you make of this debate uh, is this an overreaction or is this something that we need to be concerned about 
characterize it a little different. I, I don't think it's simply two views. I think there's a majority view and a minority view, uh, both in terms of the fertility of scholars as well as in the masses. I think it would be accurate to say that if you look at the statements that have emanated uh, from uh, most of our ulama formations, religious formations, uh, from most of the masajid, uh, the majority view is one of uh, caution, one of prevention, one of trying to do whatever is within our control to try and arrest, um, you know, the spread of this particular virus, uh, the one of taking a comprehensive uh, view of the teachings and the principles of our deen. There is no doubt that Salah is, is uh, at the essence of our, of our religion. There is no doubt that performing Salah in the masjid is something which is emphasized. But in, in, in situations like this, you've got to take a holistic approach. What is the value that Islam puts to life? What is the value that Islam puts to health? What is the value that Islam puts to the, um, to the well-being of the community, the society, not only of the Muslims, but the broader, the broader country and the broader globe within which we exist. And I think the majority of our scholars have looked at it from that broader perspective. They've consulted even before the president's speech with, um, with the health professionals amongst themselves, with the Darul Iftas, and they've come up um, with a set of guidelines which I think the majority of, of um, the Muslims in the country have, uh, have accepted. Of course, here and there in terms of specifics, people may have their, their viewpoints. What tends to happen in our community is, is those who have a minority viewpoint but if it's a dissenting viewpoint, um, it tends to get disproportionate coverage, especially in the in the age of social media, on WhatsApp and that kind of thing. So if a particular scholar takes um, a totally different approach and, 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 and uh, feels there's no need to take any preventative measures and all of this is being exaggerated, and if you go the conspiratorial route, uh, that this is, um, you know, a plan to distance people from the massage sector, that's a view that exists. You cannot uh, stop people from having their views and articulating their views. We, we live in a, in, a, in a free society, but I, I would characterize it as a majority viewpoint and a minority viewpoint, both within the, the, the circles of the leadership of the Muslim community as well as uh, the, the, the members of the community itself. Now, uh, Manasa Daiman, what is the uh, has there been an official statement from issued by the Jamiatul Ulama, and what is the position on uh, the matter of opening or closing of the masjids for congregational prayers? I think Mufti Sapin Studio did a fantastic job in articulating some of the fiki maxims, and uh, the, the Darul Ifta of Jamiatul Ulama South Africa articulated a very similar position with uh, similar uh, principles that were cited and, and similar proofs and evidences that were given. But in the main, the Jamiatul Ulama South Africa, taking its cue from the United Ulama Council of South Africa, issued a statement asking people to comply uh, with this. Uh, presidential decision that we should uh, not have gatherings in excess of 100. Now, that's that's a presidential decision. How that impacts on the masjid is a whole host of other guidelines that needed to be taken into consideration uh, in terms of ensuring that the virus does not spread any further. So, for example, the president did not say anything about the wudu facilities or the toilet facilities within a masjid. But our scholarly leadership, our ulama, as well as the doctors have consulted and they came up with these sets of guidelines, which when I look across the board, you know, most of the statements 
Dortmunds that I've seen are pretty much saying the same thing, whether it's MJC in Cape Town or whether it is uh, the Jamiat in KZN or Jamiat Ulama South Africa or Darul Ihsan or whoever else. Uh, you know, keep the Salah as brief as possible, perform your Sunnah Salah before and after at home, uh, spend as little time in the masjid as possible, have multiple congregations if, if that is feasible, if that works, and, and try and keep this uh, aspect of performing Salah in the masjid as health, uh, uh, as health risk-free as possible. Uh, so that is, in, in essence, what the Jamiat statement articulated. But I think the Jamiat also made it quite clear that the situation is fluid. We need to continuously reassess. And I think we've seen with uh, Mufti Taha Karan uh, showing great scholarly integrity. I heard that, uh, that clip earlier this afternoon where he took a position yesterday and he was willing to change his position today, uh, you know, after more information comes to the light, after the circumstances become clearer. We have to understand that this is uncharted territory, not only for us, but, uh, but, but globally. Uh, but this is the time, you know, and, and this is the call that we've been making. I also mentioned this on the radio this morning. This is not the time for disputes and petty politicking and, and friction and, and dissension. This is the time for, for discipline and solidarity. We all have our viewpoints, right? Decisions have to be made. Now, the ulama that we generally trust every other day, why should we not trust them now? Uh, I think uh, that that is something that we need to understand. As Muslims, we are expected to show this discipline and solidarity. Uh, this is the time for masjid committees and masjid leadership to follow the queue of, of the broader Muslim leadership in the country. This is not the time for masjids to break ranks and to try and say, well, okay, here's an opportunity for us to do something different, uh, to tap into a particular niche market, to put our masjid on the map by breaking away from what everyone else is doing. Of course, masjids are autonomous. They, they have the right to make their own decisions, but they should be careful about not being reckless. This is also time for the community not to succumb to panic buying, uh, for Muslim businesses and entrepreneurs uh, not to be inflating prices. You know, our, our dean prohibits these kind of things. Sell it at the normal price, sell it at a lesser price, sell it at cost price. It's, it's a great charity if you can man manage. Uh, there is the spiritual element as well, right? Everything comes from Allah. Everything is controlled by Allah, so we need to turn to Allah. Uh, turning to Allah is not something that can only happen in the masjid. The masjid has its value, but turning to Allah can happen at home. Salah can be performed at home. Toba, istighfar, dua, all of that uh, can take uh, place at home. Uh, make the most of the situation. I mean, there are benefits of isolation. Uh, we also need to be honest with ourselves. Uh, perhaps Allah is testing us in regards to our masajid. We take our masajid for granted. Most of the time, the majority of us are not performing our salah with congregation in the masajid. Now we are being tested, but let's be disciplined and let's 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 be let, let, let's do what is what needs to be done. I, I honestly feel that um, there's no conspiracy here. The government is being very fair with us. They're saying, listen, this is the guideline, this is the instruction. Manage it on your own. We're not going to come and police you. We're not going to put officials there. We're not going to fine you like is happening in other countries. But understand, you are citizens of this country. You are citizens of this of this planet. Play your part in trying to arrest this particular issue for your well-being and for the well-being of everyone else. And Alhamdulillah, yesterday after the Jimmy released a statement, I reside in Lanesia. The South Houting branch of Jimmy Tulalama South Africa, which is based in Lanesia, called a meeting of the South Houting region. We had almost 200 imams and mutawallis, masjid committee members, trustees who attended. Everyone was on the same page. It was about working out the logistics. How do you explain to the elderly people who are so attached to the masjid that it's better for them to stay at home? How do you work around, you know, keeping the numbers below 100? How, what are we going to do for the Friday sector? And, and uh, it was good to see the spirit. You know, sometimes crisis also brings the best uh, out of us. And I think there's a bigger picture here. If we can show solidarity and if 
we can show discipline now, inshallah, in a few weeks' time, the situation will improve and we will have no restrictions in Ramadan. But Allah forbid, Allah forbid, it should not be that if we are careless now, if we are reckless now, if we are ill-disciplined now, that the situation worsens. And then we have to face, you know, a very stark possibility that you have Ramadan without Tarawih in the masjid and Ramadan with restrictions and limitations. We, we obviously make dua that that doesn't happen. But this is, that's why it's important. We need to trust our leadership. They have consulted. They're not perfect. They can make mistakes. That's why they're keeping it fluid. They're re-evaluating the position all the time. There may be side differences from region to region, from area to area. But in the main, I think the majority have acknowledged and have accepted the status quo can't remain. There are a few masjids here and there that I've heard about that have been bold enough to make a statement and say, well, just wash your hands nicely before you come to the masjid and leave the rest to Allah. But I think Mufti Saab dealt with that quite uh, eloquently. That, that goes against the grain of everything that we are taught in our deen. And we ourselves don't throw caution to the wind like that in, in the name of tawakkul in every other aspect of our life. So in the main, people are remaining within the framework that, look, there's a situation here globally and locally, and we need to play our part in order to see how we can uh, uh, best contribute towards improving the situation. Uh, just... Uh I, I know that Mullah recently uh, released a uh, video on social media uh, just to, with a specific call to action. Please do just elaborate on this uh, call to action. Yeah, it's similar to what I was just mentioning earlier on. You know, it was about uh, four things, if I remember correctly. The one was don't, don't go and do this panic buying uh, because otherwise people are going to be sitting with an oversupply of certain items and other people who need it uh, won't be able to, to source it and won't be able to purchase it. It's not the time for us now to try and maximize on profit. So if I'm selling uh, sanitizers, that now this is the time to sell it at, uh, you know, at a very high rate. Uh, sell it at the normal rate, and if you can afford, sell it at a lower rate or even at cost. It, it will be the best form of charity. And um, this is not the time uh, to become, uh, you know, to use the opportunity to build a profile of yourself as an individual or your masjid by going contrary to what everybody, you know, by being a contrarian. Uh, sometimes this phenomena also raises its ugly head uh, when, when there's a crisis and when the leadership is trying to do one thing and others want to show that, you know, we'll defy you and we'll do something else altogether. In certain logistical arrangements, of course, different masjids will do different things and you respect their autonomy, but to, to become a bit reckless and to just deny reality and expect the status quo to come, I, I think that is somewhat irresponsible. And the main thing, uh, we can't forget the spiritual element. We have to turn to Allah, we have to make dua, there has to be supplication. And in that, in that video, I've been, uh, I've been making an appeal to Musallis that listen to, to the leadership of the masjid. You don't have to agree with everything, but listen to them, fall in line, be disciplined, and give it your best to try and make the process work. Yesterday when we had the meeting in Indonesia, uh, one attorney who is a, uh, a committee member at one of the masjids made a very important point, and he stood up and said, you know, as Muslims, we always take pride in beating the system. Don't try and beat the system yet. Don't say, hey, we managed to squeeze in a 150, or I managed to squeeze in even though they were already 100. You're playing with your own health, and you're playing with the health of others. Uh, you may feel, ah, oh, well, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to take the risk. It's Allah's house. But you are then putting other people at risk. And somebody so beautifully mentioned that, you know, you come, you contract the virus, you go back home, your own children, grandchildren contract it from you. Do you really want to live with that guilt? And as a society, do we want the country to turn around tomorrow and say that because you Muslims were reckless, now the virus has spread even further? We need to be really uh, gracious and, and we need to be appreciative. The government generally uh, is very accommodating of us as Muslims. And in this instance also, they have given us the latitude to be responsible for ourselves. So we need to show that we are acting responsibly.
Now, I know that was, I said that was my final question, but just something else sprung to mind, and this is an opinion being shared in our community, saying that the because this happened in China, uh, the Chinese were being punished for um, for what's happening to the Uyghur Muslims in the country, and uh, we've heard uh, statements being made that no Muslims are being affected by coronavirus. Could could Manasseh just clarify that for us? Well, I did talk about this the last two Fridays in my Juma talk, right? Our scholars tell us that uh, when a calamity strikes, uh, it can be for any one of, of multiple reasons. It could be a punishment for some, it could be a test for others, it could be a mercy for others. That is known in the, in, the, in, the, in the knowledge of Allah. So whether it is a tsunami that hits or an earthquake or a typhoon or uh, the outbreak of a virus, it's not for us to judge. Personally, I've articulated this viewpoint that, look, uh, the Chinese government may be responsible for certain atrocities against the Uyghur Muslims. We know about that, and we condemn that in the strongest of terms. But we cannot then hold the ordinary Chinese citizen uh, responsible for the actions of the government. I mean, in South Africa, as citizens, we disagree with many decisions taken by our government. So many ordinary Chinese people are, are suffering from this virus. Are we saying now that they are being punished uh, for, for what the government is, is, is doing? So... In Allah's knowledge, Allah knows best. This is not the time for us to be judgmental. Muslims have been afflicted. Uh, Muslims have passed on in other countries in, in Europe. We know the hadith talks about uh, the status of martyrdom for those uh, who perish in situations like this, of a plague, of an epidemic, of a pandemic. And I also, I mentioned this in my bayan, that now with this virus uh, spreading globally, it should not be that we are one of those that are being so judgmental and Allah forbid it afflicts us or somebody in our family. Then what would we say? This is the punishment of Allah upon us. You know, the, the right way to approach a situation like this, that for yourself, when there's any difficulty, introspect and say, what am I doing wrong? And how can I improve myself so that I come closer to Allah and Allah alleviates the difficulty? So judge yourself whenever there's a calamity, that it should not be that perhaps Allah is punishing me in terms of that sometimes Allah punishes you a little in this world so that you get a wake-up call and you come closer to Him. Make that judgment upon yourself. But in terms of others, leave that to Allah and give, the, give them the benefit of doubt. Maybe Allah is testing them. There are lessons to be learned. I mean, we've all spoken about this. Scholars have spoken about this. Look at the wisdoms of Islam prohibiting us eating wild animals. Look at the wisdoms of Islam in emphasizing the washing of the hands and, you know, the, the etiquette when, when sneezing and, and, and hygiene and that kind of thing. So we can articulate these wisdoms, but it's, it's not proper uh, for us to be making judgment calls about other people. And people have seen some really, uh, you know, uh, uh, ridiculous things that may continue so that they can, they can, they can uh, uh, they can be punished on a continuous basis. We're all suffering. Even if we haven't contracted the virus, we are all suffering, if not directly, indirectly. We can't go for Umrah. Our travel is restricted. The economy is taking a knock. We are restricted now in our masajid. So, you know, these WhatsApp mujahids, you know, where you just see a clip and you buy into it, hook, line, and sinker, and you forward it, and so much of it is fake news, and you develop opinions around that. That, that, that I think, is, is somewhat concerning, uh, short-sighted, and, and problematic. And I Especially people who are, who are leaders and, and whose, 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 whose views carry, carry weight. They need to be very careful what they say, how they say it in circumstances and in situations like this. 
Uh, the voice of Mona Suleiman Ravat of the Jamatul Ulama, uh, South Africa, uh, sharing his, uh, his views and his take on uh, this very, very challenging time for our community as we, we grapple with uh, COVID-19 coronavirus, what it means for us as a community, uh, what it means for us as Muslims in a country where we want to perform the faraid, we want to perform salat, but we want to do it in Jamaat, and uh, these challenges are now being placed before us. Uh, Mona, thank you so much for joining us, uh, and uh, yeah, all the best. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam warahmatullahi Well, with that, um, I think it's time for us to take a bit of a break. And uh, inshallah, when we come back after the waqt of Aisha, uh, we will continue our discussion. I'm still going to try and get uh, uh, Sheikh Ismail Quran on uh, to uh, talk about the position of the Al-Azhar Masjid in District 6. I think they've also taken a decision uh, to close the masjid uh, uh, for fears of spreading COVID-19 coronavirus. Uh, but of course, uh, we'll chat about that after the break. Inshallah, hopefully we were able to raise him on the phone. And then also, uh, later on, we'll be speaking to the Clermont Maynard Masjid and speaking to Jamia Halanta who will be uh, chatting to us about Clermont Maynard Masjid's decision and their views. Obviously they've also released a statement uh, wherein they detail the reasons for why they feel uh, that they needed to take this action. But of course uh, that after this. The Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM Stereo Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Welcome back to the show. And uh, this evening we are looking at COVID-19 and uh, uh, we've been speaking to various uh, institutions and uh, those especially who have issued uh, the uh, immediate the, the releases uh, talking about the fact that they would be closing those institutions uh, under the threat of spreading uh, COVID-19 or the coronavirus. So we now are joined online uh, by uh, Sheikh Ismail Kiran, a member of the legislature committee at Majlis Ashura al-Islami and Imam of Azad Masjid in District 6. Uh, Sheikh Ismail, Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the show. Alaikum assalam and shukran for having me. Uh, Sheikh, first of all, I want to say that uh, certainly this is a very contentious topic and I mean it's something that uh, you know makes makes your heart drop to the floor when you think about um, the fact that there is a potential for masjids to be closed or to be uh, for for for, for uh, to be restricted in any way, shape, or form. But uh, looking at at the matter as it stands now, what is Majlis uh, Majlis Majlis Shura al Islam's position uh, in 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 terms of this? Well, first of all, uh, shukran for having me once again, and assalamu alaikum to the, the viewers also. First of all, you know, uh, I'm speaking here tonight not as a member of the Legislative Council of Majlis Shura, but more so as uh, the Sheikh at the Al Azhar Majid. Right? Because apparently Majlis Shura still has to formulate a final uh, response to this. However, the Al-Azhar Masjid and Educational Institute, we have formulated one already, and that is that the, uh, the Masjid is going to go into, and comp- has gone into complete lockdown. Inshallah. Yeah. 
Okay, so 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 that is the opinion of uh, a sheikh uh, and sheikh's masjid in term in terms of that that yes. uh, we, yes. we would have, yes. we have to be yes. complete yes. lockdown. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so uh, when we talk about that complete lockdown, that means there's yes. no uh, there's no salah for any of the five watts. There's no Jumar salah yes. as well. There's yes. no other activities in the masjid. Yes, yes, that's right. Um, um, of course, there, uh, there is not, and that is based, you know, on the uh, first of all on the evidence that is before us. I mean, first and foremost, we have to we are Muslim, and the one the fundamental pillar of Islam of the Arkans is the Shahada. And when we look at the Shahada, we say, I be witness that there is no other ilah except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I bear witness that Muhammad وسلم, is the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now the, be- the bearing of witness, the bearing of testimony, you can only have evidence. And of course Muhammad وسلم, teaches us, seek knowledge or evidence from the cradle to the grave. And if we look at the evidence confronting us, that is there open for everybody to see, what is our response to that evidence? And as Islam is a natural active movement of people towards the establishment of peace, coexistence, justice, safety, etc. and so forth. It is absolutely clear and very simple that uh, on the basis of that, prevention is better than cure. And for that matter, and in that way, um, we look at the masajid, which is obviously the focal point of a Muslim community, where the Muslim revolves, we say the figure of tawaf around the masjid. And we have to ask ourselves the question, are we going to protect the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to us, in terms of whatever happens in life, etc., that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not change the condition of a people unless they make the, the effort to change themselves. And I think this cause, this is unprecedented. This cause for a rupture of thinking that we are in our traditional ways of doing things. Up till now, we've been very cozy. And here, something like this happens, and our reaction and response and engagement to it should also be unprecedented. And we have to weigh up. Do we close the masjid for the safety of the ummah of humanity? Or do we open the masjid to perform their ibadah as per normal? And the question that faces us here today is, what is an ibadah? And because Islam is an active movement to establish peace and coexistence, that every act to add value to humanity is regarded as a submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by Muslim, as an ibadah. So in fact, by closing the masjid, as Allah says to us, that verily though the upkeepers of the masjid, إِنَّمَا يَحْمُرِ بِالْمَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ مَنْ عَامَلَ بِلَا وَيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ and so forth, is, are we going to allow that the masjid are going to be nuclei or points where this virus can spread? Or are we going to say, as upkeepers of 
of the masajid, we are going to protect with the qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by means of our understanding that the masajid must in no way become centers where this sickness can spread from. And in that way, that in itself is an ibadah. If uh, if I can just uh, explain that, uh, okay. Shukran so much, Sheikh Ismail Kiran, for clarifying yeah. that. And obviously, that is the position of uh, Majlis, uh, not Majlis Ashura, but necessarily but yeah, the Azhar Masjid in District 6, yeah. uh, upon yeah. the issue of this. So they've taken the decision to close the doors uh, for the for the sake of of, 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 keep, of preventing the spread of COVID-19 yeah. coronavirus. And yeah. I want to say a big shukran to Sheikh for joining us this yeah. evening. And as I well. just want to add there, I just want to add there, you know, just to make it absolutely clear, the closing of the masajid is not to deprive people of an ibadah. The fact that we're closing the masjid for the reason I've just said, that in itself is an ibadah because it's an act which adds value to the safety and the coexistence and harmony of the ummah of humanity. Because Muhammad so beautifully says to us, you know, la that none of you has true faith unless that which you love for your brother is that which you love for yourself. So we, alhamdulillah, we, our country has not yet been hit, and may Allah protect us, inshallah, by the full force as the European nations and the, uh, the United States has been hit, and China, right? May Allah protect us further, inshallah. And we have to be proactive. And so by doing this, we're adding value to enhance the safety, and that is any better. And perhaps people should realize that that the closing of the masjid is not to deprive any better, but in these unprecedented circumstances, that in itself, we have to rethink our understanding of any better, because that becomes any better now to do that action for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for the benefit of humanity. Sheikh, uh, once again, shukran so much. All the best, inshallah, and have a shukran. good evening further. Shukran, shukran. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And that, of course, being Sheikh Ismail Kiran, uh, the Imam of the Azad Masjid in District 6, uh, and uh, he's saying that uh, the Masjid in District 6 will be closed uh, to uh, to stem the spread of the COVID-19 coronavirus, uh, as he has mentioned it. And uh, we are now going to be joined online by Jamia Halan from the Claremont Main Road Masjid, has also uh, released a statement uh, declaring that uh, they will also be closing the masjid as a form of solidarity and promoting public health. Uh, so online, as mentioned, Jamia Halan. Jamia, assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam, Bashir, and uh, assalamu alaikum to your guests and your listeners. Um, first of all, how uh, is Claremont Main Road affecting its closure? Will it be a total closure of the masjid and all its activities, or will there just be restrictions? Uh, uh, firstly, I think, you know, I've been listening to part of the, the debate earlier on with Mufti Harun and uh, Maulana Suleimani as well. And, uh, you know, the, the, the rationale for closing, I think they've articulated uh, very well. But we have to acknowledge, I think, before we even enter this debate, that this is a very sad time for all of us um, to see not only the masjids in Cape Town, but the masjids all over the world closing down and to have the debate you know for us as if we are the only ones considering this is, is a little bit out of place because it is happening 
all over. So, you know, we're not exceptional, uh, firstly, in responding to this crisis, which is a global crisis. Um, and so we've, we've taken the decision in line with the, um, uh, both, both the, the, the global crisis, but also in line with the, the directive from our, our president to, to contain this virus, because we've seen where countries have taken these proactive steps. It has made a difference in terms of slowing down the spread of this disease. So at the masjid, even though we've, you know, we've advertised, we've put out our notices that we've closed the masjid, our role firstly as a masjid board continues. We've closed the doors of the masjid, but inside the masjid, we, ha- we will continue to make the adhan, we will continue to perform the daily salahs. We have got a resident uh, imam uh, who is a, a student who lives on the premises. We've got a mu'addin and custodian who lives on the premises and a security guard. All three of them will perform and do perform and have been performing since Monday. Every every waqt, they make the azan, they make the azan with a special call, as I think Maulana uh, Suleimani mentioned earlier, a special azan that calls for people to pray at home. And, you know, when we heard that azan, you know, there was a, a, a viral kind of message showing this Adhan in an empty street in Kuwait. It is, it is, you know, extremely moving, and it should move us all, that we have come to a, a, a time where we are making a public, over our loud hailers, we're making Adhan for people to pray at home. And, and this should sadden us. But at the same time, we know that we are doing this for the greater good of everybody. And if there is one thing that defines a masjid, then it is about community. You know, our masjid is, as you know, is one of the oldest masjids. We've been having congregational prayers at that masjid for over 160 years. This is unprecedented for us, for everybody, to have to close all of the masjids in any kind of space. In, you know, normally, you know, people have renovations, they've closed one mosque, people just go to another mosque. This is, this is you know, unprecedented. And we are not the only people being confronted by this. It is happening all over just today. The Saudi government announced that they have closed all masjids. Why are we, you know, what, uh, it, it seems to me bizarre that this debate is even happening here about deliberating, should we, shouldn't we? You know, um, uh, President Ramaphosa ended his, his uh, address to the nation on, on uh, Sunday evening when he said, we can't respond to this virus in half measures. We can't say, okay, no Jumaa, but you can come for other Jamaa Salahs. You can come for Maghrib Salah, you can come for Dur Salah, but you can't come for Jumaa. There's been no half measures in this response. It affects everybody. And it doesn't only affect the people coming into the masjid. It affects the people when they go outside of the masjid as well. They go home, they go into other spaces. If there's any contamination within the masjid, we become the, the, the source of that contamination outside. And so too, contamination from outside 
can be brought inside. And we have a responsibility not only to our own congregants and our own little communities within our masajid, but we also have a responsibility to our broader community. And this is why we defined this decision to do to to close the masjid as an act of social solidarity because that is what it is. We're responding to the greater good year. Can I then just ask, if setting aside the issue of the closure of masjids, um, if we look at the broader issue, are there are some other measures that had been put in place by, and restrictions being put in place by prison, Cyril Ramaphosa. So uh, from that point of view, if we look at the, some of the restrictions about uh, discouraging travel to other provinces, ensuring that, uh, you know, uh, basically we, we, we uh, as, a, as a community, as a country, uh, you know, don't unnecessarily travel overseas and all of those things yeah. how, how important is it for us as a community to abide by those restrictions uh, and, and talking specifically about the Muslim community uh, how important is it for us to abide by those restrictions in, in part of as part of the bigger plan look you know the the, the, the directive um, uh, by the president certainly was not saying you know, this is this pertains to this community or that community. And, you know, while there are specific things, and I think closure of masjids is something that we as a religious community, we have to consider what are the implications for how we are going to manage um, those spaces. Okay, and we've taken those decisions. But in terms of travel restrictions, it depends to everybody. There's no, no thing about this is what it means for Muslims or you know, the, the, when it comes to travel restrictions, you know, we can, we're talking about people um, coming into our, our airports and people going out and traveling abroad. What about the thousands and thousands of people using public transport every single day? You can go from, you can very safely go in your car from Cape Town to Durban, and you are much safer then the person is getting into that taxi today from Google to, to the city to go and work. The person is getting into the bus. The person is getting into the train. So we mustn't kid ourselves and, and you know, say that we can maybe safeguard ourselves either in our homes or, or any other uh, places like that. I mean, there are many, many thousands of people who, who are not going to have some of the privileges that we have to protect themselves, to contain the disease within the community if it were to, if it were to spread with, within the community. You know, if you want to ask questions, particularly, you know, with respect to how do we as a Muslim community respond, I think it's much more pertinent to ask, you know, given the implication of what, what it means in terms of our own spiritual um, uh, kind of fortitude. How do we how do we maintain that 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 spiritual fortitude in our homes? Because we cannot go to the masjid. For many people, the masjid is like the second home, the extended family. You know, as a, as a masjid board committee, for example, you know we look forward to seeing each other, to being together um, on a Friday on the big nights. It's a big loss for us all. And so this is the challenge that we face. How, how can we, um, you know, 
provide that kind of spirituality while people are not coming together, are not able to come together in the masjid. We have to think about how can we use technology, how can we use our other social media platforms to maintain our contact uh, with our congregants, to continue to provide spiritual comfort uh, for people. You know, there was a wonderful quote today from Sheikh um, Yasser Qadi, which said that this moment uh, is, is an opportunity for us to, to convert our houses into places of worship. He says we need to fortify our walls of our homes with zikr. We need to raise our voices with the Quran inside of our homes. Because, of course, the masjid is closed, but salah hasn't been cancelled. Worship has not been cancelled. And so the people who maybe only go on a Friday to the mosque are the people who maybe face the biggest challenge. Because now they don't have, they're not going to the mosque to perform their, their prayers. They have to do it at home. Jamia, I, I want to say yeah, thank you for joining us uh, uh, on the show this evening to clarify uh, the decision taken by Clemon Main Road Masjid in light of the COVID-19 coronavirus uh, uh, outbreak. And uh, inshallah, hopefully we'll be chatting again soon, inshallah, I mean, hopefully uh, with better news in terms of uh, what's been happening with uh, coronavirus. Uh, but all the best and have a good evening in further, inshallah. Shukran Fasir. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Time for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll be reading out some messages, and uh, that's on uh, WhatsApp on 0722380712. And we'll see if, uh, if we can get on through any of the messages that have come through on the SMS line as well. Stay with us. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. Welcome back to The Burning Issue and uh, yeah, just wrapping up uh, the show this evening looking at some of the messages that have come through. Uh, there have been some questions people asking, uh, medical questions that I don't think the guests uh, in studio were uh, qualified to answer and uh, yeah, uh, one person asking about uh, infections and uh, uh, then another one saying it only takes one person out of a hundred to infect his fellow Musali and then it's chaos uh, and this person is calling for us to close the masjid uh, as a result uh, shukran for the program, it gives more clarity to the ordinary listener Alhamdulillah as another message has come through um, uh, this one says uh, let me just go through that one uh, Salam and Shukran for the advice as well to make it easy on all Allah knows best and uh, um, this one says uh, ask Muslims to wear masks when coming to mosque to make masks available. I don't know if that's practical uh, to get everyone to wear a mask. We know there's already a shortage of masks in the country um, and we want to keep those that stock for medical professionals who are treating uh, potential COVID-19 coronavirus patients. So, uh, and, and I know this has been the 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 the, um, the feeding of health professionals across uh, the, the the spectrum, saying that 
we are wanting to maintain a certain level of stock for those health professionals. So if you decide that you are going to have, um, you know, you, you're going to start doling out masks or people are going to start buying masks, what's going to happen is that's going to be less access to those health professionals and they are at higher risk because they actually sometimes treat people with coronavirus or COVID-19 and you don't want to have a situation where they are unprotected in doing so. A lot of people also are starting to ask the question about wearing masks and um, I haven't seen anyone wearing a mask today outside but uh, I think as things progress and well look granted it gets easier but I think as things progress uh, we might start seeing people wear masks and gloves. I noticed I walked into a supermarket uh, this morning and the staff were all dealing with gloves so they were all actually uh, you know helping the the uh, patrons were helping the, the 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 customers with gloves on and they had hand sanitizer as well so yeah people being really concerned about covid-19 coronavirus and then also in the same supermarket people are still buying all of the hand sanitizer and all of the other things i know there's a lot of fear but the request from a lot of sectors has been that people do not do that not stockpile because what means what it means is that you give less access to other people i know the staff in that supermarket actually said that some of the items had been sold out within uh, you know uh, with maybe minutes or hours uh I, I I assume that by the time I got there, you know, it was all it was all bought out and that was new stock that went in. So it seems like there is this little bit of panic. Uh, people are looking at the media, they're looking at what's happening and they're becoming concerned. And rightfully so, we should all become concerned. But the question is, should we, uh, you know, take such drastic measures and prevent others from access to things? Uh, we know that, you know potentially uh in, in at least in, in in the state united states and other countries we've seen that businesses have closed now if businesses are closing manufacturers are, are closing or factories are closing what then happens is you know we're not producing stuff and that means that you know if you are buying mass amounts of goods out of a supermarket or store that means they can't replenish so quickly and it creates a problem all around so we need to be concerned about that we need to be considerate about that in someone sending a message, I just want to send a special request. Unfortunately, that's not for the show this evening. Um, and then also, uh, this one says, you can't see the stranger's face clearly, especially the robbers. And uh, this is obviously referring, I think, to the masks and uh, the fact that if people are wearing masks uh, and walking around, it, it covers the identity, it, sh- it shelters the identity from everyone else. And that means that, you know, we are going to be in danger because when someone, you can't see someone's identity, they can do whatever they want to do. And uh, I've also heard stories, and uh, I did not through this is, but apparently there are people going around in the community um, saying they're from government, they're coming to dis- disinfect people's homes or to test them for COVID-19, and they've actually, uh, you know, robbed people. So uh, they're saying government's not doing that type of thing, Then, and, and at least the Western Cape uh, government as well is not conducting such tests. So we need to uh, be vigilant, and when someone says, I'm coming to test you in your home, we need to call the police immediately. Um, this one says Salam, uh, it's uh, Salam's in, in a peculiar and really sad way. Many male Musalis will feel some of what um, women Musalis feel are not accommodated, and many massaged. Uh, so, this is the viewpoint of someone saying that the fact that men might be presented from these masjids, these masajid that have been mentioned, means that they will get a sense of uh, what it's like for some women who are not able to access masjids uh, because there's no accommodation you know, made available for them. Uh, 
the, the other thing is uh, that there is a sense from the community that uh, with COVID-19 coronavirus, um, you know, some people are saying, you know, should we greet, should we t- be touching hands and shaking hands or should we just be making salam? Uh, uh, on the one side, you have people saying, you know what, at the end of the day, as long as we didn't infect our hands or whatever, we'll be fine. And others saying, let's take the maximum precaution how do you feel about that you know are you currently engaging in skin-to-skin contact still taking people's hands or have you decided not to do that uh, in fear of you know picking up uh, the coronavirus and uh, i think that you know there's a lot of fear around this it's been it's been stoked and been heightened by you know the media reports the social media reports everywhere you go uh, you look at the billboards coronavirus covid 19 you see people's statuses coronavirus covid 19 even today there's a new video or there's a new uh, social media post and um yeah it, it heightens that sense of fear amongst people and and but at the end of the day some might say it's justified that people you know don't want skin to skin contact but that is the question. How do you feel about this? WhatsApp us 072-238-0712. SMS us on 47913. Uh, this one says, what does our hard-headed people not understand? Stop being dumb people. Look at Italy and China. China listened and did the necessary, so why shouldn't we? Now, obviously, referring to China, saying that the inf- rates of infection has started to uh, decline or reduce and this is because of the measures that they have put in place. Uh, so, you know, some people are saying, let's look at the measures China's put in place and let's try and implement it here. The challenge, however, I think is that, you know, China in itself is not a democratic country. So uh, the political structure works a little different and the way that they are able to, you know, dole out, uh, uh, you know, any laws or any orders is different to us in the South African context where we are a democratic country and um, there are certain procedures and laws that need to be put in place. We have declared a this a in a, a, a health you know disaster at the moment president had declared that you know we need to bring resources to be to deal with this and um you know testing facilities will be popping up all over the show in all in all provinces but at the end of the day what we are also saying is that with all of this going on in our community and in in globally as well as far as covid-19 is concerned we also need to be cognizant of the cognizant of the fact that uh, as a, in, in South Africa, you know, the wheels still need to keep turning. You know, we still need to be manufacturing. We still need to be as uh, as a country producing. And you know, there is that economic impact if we start closing businesses and we start closing schools and universities, which we are already doing closing universities and and schools for the sake of, you know, not wanting to spread the virus. But what impact does that have on the broader South African? you know, a context of what our economy is going through. And that is something that uh, we are concerned. We know that ESCOM has been an issue. Alhamdulillah, there's been no load shedding for the last while. Uh, someone mentioned that on WhatsApp some uh, some while ago. And, uh, you know, that's been a blessing. But ESCOM has been in the news for many, many months because of the cost that the uh, you know the 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 the, the this government uh, SOE has incurred and the burden is placed on taxpayers and the fact that ESCOM is financially in trouble, so you know can we as, as South Africans afford you know to let that gap widen because you know we are closing businesses and all of those things those are some of the concerns that many people might have and economists might have as well I just saw uh, a post on on some lamppost today where they were talking about. 
you know, economists predicting another gloomy day for the JSE because, you know, with the virus uh, happening, it doesn't, doesn't you know, uh, in a sense, uh, give anyone any confidence in any of our industries as such if there is a fear that, you know, COVID-19 could disrupt uh, a particular industry. So, yeah, these are things that we need to consider. Well, you can WhatsApp us 0722380712, SMS us on 47913. Please don't send any birthday messages. Uh, this show is dealing with the topic of COVID-19. And uh, yeah, I think something that is so key to this discussion is I, I watched a, a video recently, um, in actual fact today, by uh, a South African comedian, uh, at Noah, who is... Obviously, those are the Daily Show in the United States, and he's currently in New York. He's currently under lockdown, uh, where the government has uh, has declared that you know people need to stay inside, they need to isolate themselves, uh, they need to quarantine themselves, and make sure that you know they, they stay off the streets to prevent the spread of COVID nineteen. And he was talking about the fact that you know everyone plays a role and plays a part, uh, you know, in potentially spreading this infectious disease. And um, so he was calling out to other New Yorkers, to other Americans, to do the same, to stay, in, you know, to 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 take the advice of the president and stay indoors. And uh, one of the things he was saying, which was actually quite uh, funny if you think about it, is he's saying that, you know, we are so used to staring at our phones and, you know, watching CDs and all of that stuff and listening to the radio uh, in, in our leisure time. So, you know, why not continue to do this uh, in times when, uh, you know, you really need to. But obviously we understand that that is in the context of uh, the the country and the the culture, as he mentioned it. But we as South Africans, we have, we haven't reached the point yet where we are talking about self-isolation to protect ourselves. But again, some people are saying, should we not be concerned about uh, where we go? Should we, you know, try not to n- unnecessarily travel to places where we might get infected? We should, we should try perhaps to, you know, limit our uh, our interaction, uh, you know, outside of our home to ensure that, you know, we, we are not getting to contact with the virus. That's something that some people are saying. And most definitely, there's some merit to that, most definitely, because the less you expose yourself, less exposure you give yourself to, you know, contact with other people outside of the home, uh, people that perhaps, you know, especially strangers uh, who, who potentially could be carrying and uh, when I say potentially, I'm not saying everyone's carrying coronavirus and we should all be afraid, but limiting our interaction is a good way to, you know, at least decrease our chances of contracting coronavirus. That's what some people are saying. Uh, this one says, uh, Assalamu alaikum. Uh, okay, I don't know if we can confirm that. This is just a message posted on WhatsApp about the closure of a masjid. So um, I, I think, you know, we won't necessarily read that and listen to, until we can have confirmation, inshallah. But uh, yeah, I think that's about it for the show, burning issue this evening. Uh, obviously, a big shukran to our guest, uh, Jamia Halan from Claremont Main Road uh, Mosque. We were also joined uh, by uh, Mufti Sayyid Harun Al-Azri and then also joining us uh, early on in the show, Sheikh Ismail Kiran. 
from the Azad Masjid and Mona Suleiman Ravat from the Jamiatul Ulama South Africa. As mentioned, the MJC is in the process of revising the uh, the, 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 the decision based on new evidence. Uh, Malata Karan uh, will hopefully be joining us tomorrow, inshallah, uh, to elaborate on the new course of action pertaining to uh, the Jumars, pertaining to the um, performance of Salah in the Masjid for the five walks, inshallah. And uh, we will give that information to you as soon as we have it tomorrow. And hopefully we'll be having him on air soon to elaborate, inshallah. But uh, from myself, Muhammad Fasih, please until I speak to you again, inshallah. I bid you assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Allahi wa barakatuh.